Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show. It is show number 49. Thanks for tuning in today. We're live on Facebook and we are on iTunes. Thank you so much uh, for being here. It is show number 49. We are in spring of 2018. And what a surprise. It's another rainy day. Unbelievable the weather we've been having up here in the Northeast and uh, just um, just another rainy day this spring. But we're going to get through it. We're going to keep a positive attitude and the sun will shine eventually. So it is show number 49. We are going to bring in our guest in a couple of minutes. I have a, a good friend of mine and uh, he's got a lot of leadership roles. He is the chief of police of the town of Mount Hope. He is a college basketball official. He is a college women's lacrosse official. And uh, his name is Paul Ricard. Uh, we've become friends over the years. And uh, he is today's guest. He will be coming up shortly. We're recording live here at the Port Jervis Library in the records room. And nice thanks for uh, to the, the Port Jervis Library for having me here. And uh, off we go. So in preparing for the show and uh, talking with Paul and oh, before we do that, I did forget today's sponsor. And uh, today's sponsor is uh, the woman who helped me out, Michelle D. Filippo and her company, 1106 Design. If you are interested in writing your own book, you want to start your own book, you want to get going with your own book, she is the person for you. Her, the name of her company is 1106 Design, and their website is uh, 1106design, Michelle D. Filippo. Uh, she was a great help to me. Really, they do everything. It is one-stop shopping for self-publishing and um, just a great job. They, uh, As Michelle says, they do a lot of hand-holding and uh, answer all your questions. And they really take care of everything for your book, start to finish. The website, the editing uh, here on their flyer, you know, editorial, cover design, book cover design, and, and all of their things. Sorry, trying to get this camera right. And uh, really great. So uh, they are the sponsor for today's show. Michelle's email is md at 1106design.com. And that stands for Michelle DiFilippo. You can call her for a free consultation. She will also send you a copy of her book. This is her book, Just Like the Pros. And uh, it has everything you need to learn about your own book and, and how to get started with that. And uh, she was a, a big help to me. And uh, we became friends, and I, uh, I thank her for sponsoring the show. Oh, that's not my book. That's Dr. Bird's book. <laughs> Here is a copy of my book. Many of you uh, have it. You bought it, and uh, they designed this cover. They do the internal formatting. Uh, they give you some different options. So, again, if you're thinking of writing your own book, you uh, you know, call Michelle. She will help you out again. Her email is md at 1106design.com. 
Uh, her number, if you want to jot it down, 602-866-3226. And that's Michelle DiFilippo. There's the number there. Let's get this up there that way. And uh, give Michelle a call at 1106design. She'll take care of you. Again, even if you don't know where to get started with your book, she'll help you. So let's get to, to today's show. And uh, again, my guest coming up is Paul Ricard, Chief of Police at uh, the town of Mount Hope. And we've all been pulled over by, uh, by a cop, right? I'm 42 years old right now. I, I've been pulled over. Chief, don't arrest me. Um, but you've also gotten a warning. Right. Did you get a ticket on the first time you got pulled over? Now, maybe you were doing something terrible. Uh, who knows? But I know I've gotten away with a couple of warnings and being in education for uh, almost 20 years. And actually, this is my 20th year. And being a college basketball official, I'm charged with enforcing the rules. And that is one of the things that I have to do. And um this concept came to me or this story came to me a couple of years ago called 17 inches. And the story goes that there was an old time baseball coach who was speaking to a group of coaches. Uh, he was actually being put into a local hall of fame and someone wrote an article about it. Uh, but the old time coach went up uh, to speak and he had a home plate hanging from his chest and it was a big, full-size home plate. And uh, the name of his speech was called 17 Inches. And the point of the coach's story was the plate is 17 inches big. And if it's, if it's within the plate, it's a strike. If it's not, it's not a strike. It's a ball. And society is giving people too many chances, too many opportunities. And we're lowering expectations. We're lowering the bar. So we have to stick more to the rules. and. I work with a lot of people. I officiate with a lot of people. And some people live to the letter of the law. You step out of line a half an inch and there's a consequence. Uh, whereas other people provide some flexibility, right? Uh, one of the questions and things I'm going to talk about with Paul is uh, our college leaders, the people who make the college basketball rules, one of the mantras, one of the things that have come out in the past couple of years is call the rules as they are written. Right. So if the the rule says if you slide your pivot foot, it's a walk. It's automatically a walk. But do you always call those? Do you do you have that 17 inches mindset that if it's a little bit out of there, uh, you call that violation? I go back to about getting a warning from a police officer. If I have a clean record. Right. And I'm doing 60 miles an hour in a 55. Do I deserve a ticket? And and is the cop going to give me a ticket? Because that's that 17-inch mindset versus you allow some flexibility. You allow someone to make a mistake. You allow someone to have an error. You correct it and you move on. And those are things I think about as a principal. Those are things I think about as a college official. I was recently at an officiating camp and one of the clinicians uh, – thanked me and congratulated me. There was a play, two kids, you had a little tussle, a little pushing and shoving. Could they have gotten a double technical foul? You know, bang them with a T? Yeah, they probably could have. It was early in the game. I grabbed the two of them. I blew the whistle and I grabbed them by the jerseys. I brought them together and I told them to knock it off. And they got the message. I told the coach, hey, 
Tell these guys to knock it off. The coaches reinforced that message, and that was it. I didn't feel that that situation needed technical fouls. So I wrestle with that concept of the 17 inches versus having some flexibility in the rules, having a little bit of conversation and personalism in that so you don't always have to crack the whip on that. Um, and that was the you know the concept for, for the opening of the show here because I do have a police officer <clears throat> here with me. I do have someone that's going to uh, – he's in charge of his staff, right? If someone's coming in late, does Chief Ricard write that person up because they're late one time? I don't know. We're going to find out. But as a leader, as an official, that is something that I wrestle with back and forth um, because I believe people should have chances. I believe uh, you have to have patience with people. I believe the rules have to be enforced and, you know, be strict. But I also believe uh, that people should have second chances and you should uh, have some flexibility in dealing with people. Life happens. Things happen. People get sick. You know, there's all kinds of things that happen. Um, So I don't necessarily always agree with 17 inches. And that's the uh, concept for today's show. And uh, uh, I thought we would get going with that. And uh, I look forward to uh, our guest coming up. Before we meet Paul, again, a shout out to today's sponsor, uh, 1106 Design, my friend Michelle DiFilippo. This is her book, Published Like the Pros. She'll send you a free copy if you reach out to her. Even if you're just thinking about it, if you haven't written the manuscript, you haven't written the book, uh, how many people have said, oh, you should write a book? Well, Michelle's the one that can help you. Um, Give her a call, 602-866-3226, or email her, md at 1106design. She will take care of you. Certainly tell her you uh, heard it here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, and uh, We appreciate 1106 Design sponsoring today's show. That being said, let's get to it. Show number 49, and today's guest is Chief of Police, Mr. Paul Ricard. Paul, why don't you come on in here? Thank you, Andrew. We'll get uh, situated. We'll get this mic here, and uh, come on in so we can see you on camera. Get closer. There we go. Yeah, no personal fouls here, Paul. How's that? Can they see us on there? I think so. I think we're good. Good. All right. Paul, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. And uh, um, I know you're a fan of the show. I know you've been listening. I have been. I enjoy it. Um, I subscribe, so I get the notices that their their new ones are out. And uh, you know, happy to be here. There'll be a new one out tomorrow uh, with Paul Ricard on there. Yeah, you and you, you've had so many great guests. It's a, it's an honor just to be able to be uh, among those guests. So we're approaching a year, Paul. Uh, it's about a year. We're at show forty nine. We had a uh, one of Orange County's legend. Uh, Legends yesterday, Tony DeMarco, mm-hmm. but the Ricard name is very well known in Orange County. You have a big family, and certainly your father was a uh, a fixture uh, in Orange County, New York, as an educator at, at SUNY Orange and uh, the longtime basketball coach. Yeah, yes, he was. I had a great opportunity to officiate some of his games. Yeah, my dad had an impact on a lot of people in a lot of different ways. You know, he touched a lot of different. You know, he, he part of his thing was obviously being a teacher. So math was his thing. So it's interesting to, to meet people through the years that uh, talk about his uh, math teaching abilities, which I never got because he didn't have the same patience for me. I'm sure he had for the rest <laughs> of his students, but that's always the case, I guess. Right? 
Well, Paul, I am uh, certainly looking forward to talking to your father. I know you have something planned with your family coming up uh, with that. But let's get started with you. You are a chief of police. You're a father. You're a husband. You're a brother. Um, and you're a college sports official. You uh, officiate college basketball and you're a, a college women's lacrosse official. How do you show leadership, Paul, in all of those different roles? You have so many different opportunities. How do you show leadership in those roles? Well, I think you have to have a presence. You know, that's something that I constantly work on presence. You know, my presence um, at work, at home, um, on the field. So presence is really important to me. Try to, to um, allow people to work at their best or play at their best. You know, set parameters, set rules, um, and then try to help people uh, work within those parameters or rules. And I think if you're consistent, you have consistency, then you can be successful at that. I think, um, you know, at work, at, at play, when we're, when we're fishing, you know, what do people say? They just want consistency. So if you apply the rules consistency, whatever, consistently, whatever they're going to do, I think you're going to be successful. So I'm really work to allow people to grow and, and, um, you know, include my own kids, you know, my own family. So, so along that line, Paul, you heard the opening concept, right? Being consistent, enforcing the rules the same way. How do you, again, as a leader, as a chief of police, how do you determine when you should have some flexibility, right? When does that person deserve a chance, whether they're an employee of yours or someone you're dealing with on the court or uh, through through the law? I think one of the keys is we, we don't try to be, or I don't try to be equal. I try to be fair. So I think you um, build some flexibility into trying to be fair. As you said you know earlier, someone that is never late for work, but has a sick child one morning, obviously is going to be treated differently than somebody that's chronically late. Um, you know, for me, I break it into two groups. You know, we have the people that are in the community, the people that we serve, but also the employees. And I think um, it's sometimes the dealing with the employees is, is the difficult part of the job. Dealing with the people on the street, people, the, the victims, the suspects, that, that can be a lot easier. Um, the biggest challenge is dealing with the employees and trying to be fair. Yeah. You know? Well, there's a personal connection, right? You know some of them outside of the job and you, you get to know people, right? You like certain people. Yeah. And you dislike certain people and you kind of got to be fair to, to, to both. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and as you learn about people, you you know, clearly you learn some of their problems and some of their successes and, and you try to work around them. So I try to be fair. I try to be, um, you know, someone that, you know, at the end of the day, everyone would say I was fair. I might, you know, again, equal is not equal to fair. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the keys. I like that. Don't treat everyone the same. You treat uh, everyone fairly. Paul, you retired from uh, Middletown, New York uh, police, and now you're the, the chief of police. How did you get started with your career in law enforcement and, and what drove you in that direction? You know, I've had a great career. I've had some, you know, and I attribute that to some great opportunities and to some great people. And I started, uh, my grandfather was in the New York City Police Department. So we had the police influence in, in the family. I was... Um, this was your dad's dad? My dad's dad. Okay. Correct. He was a captain in the New York City Police Department. Wow. And, um, you know, he was one of the old school guys. He started, you know, World War II era. And, you know, he retired in the early 70s. So he was of the time when people just didn't retire when they had their 20 years, you know, it wow. was their lifetime. And, wow. and that's what he did. He retired to Otisville. And uh, so I had that influence in my life and, and that was great. So I was going to Orange Community College and I was just kind of kicking around. And one day I was walking through the Commons building and there was two officers from Middletown recruiting at a recruiting fair. And I said, hey, I'm going to sign up, take the test. 
Just like that. Just like that. And you know what? The funny part is I never, I didn't study, didn't open a book up, and I was kind of on the fence. It was a Saturday morning. If I was off, I was Did working. Did you talk to your parents? No, they, they knew I was, you know, I signed up. But it, interestingly enough, I um, wow. up until that morning, I, I worked for, for a convenience store, and I was kind of like, eh, if I'm not working that morning, I guess I'll go take the test. And, and I showed up. I took the test. I scored high on it, and I was lucky. I was hired. I was 20 years old. Wow. So, um, wow. you know, it was a great. Uh, opportunity. And, um, you know, I started there and I kind of went through the ranks and I had a great career in Middletown, uh, came across some, you know, great people. I had a great boss, Matt Byrne, who, who was the chief of police, who had a lot of faith in me, sent me to the National Academy. I'm a National Academy graduate, went to Quantico for three months. Wow. Um, and DC, trained the, uh, DC, outside yeah. of DC with the FBI. So less than 1% of, of all law enforcement officers get to say they're a National Academy graduate. I so, know you, I know you a bunch of years. See, I'm yeah. So you. that was great. Uh, it was a great opportunity. Um, I was, uh, you know, help you grow. Talk about leadership. I had a, a great opportunity um, I went to, uh, when I went for my master's degree, I went through a program that was at West Point where 95% of the students were officers in, in the military. Most of them were uh, DMI, Department of Military Instruction. So talk about leadership, talk about presence, and I and, and press the heck out of me. Wow. I never came across uh, people that, that showed that kind of leadership before. And I tried to bring that back to the police department. And when I retired, I didn't really know what I was going to do. You know, I was looking for a break. I had a few months break. This job opened up and I kind of stepped into it. And I've been there eight years now. So, wow. so great opportunity. So along the way, you know, I, I, you know, had Matt Byrne, you know, pushing me all the time. Um, you know, the master's program, which was just outstanding. Did you, in deciding that when you went with those recruiters, did you think like, you know, this was my grandfather's career and. I did. I, you know, was he that, alive at the time? He was. Yeah, oh, okay. he was. And and that's what I did. I thought a little bit about, hey, it was a great career for him. You hear the stories. And I I wasn't happy in, in college. I just, um, you know, it wasn't for me at the time. I was kind of struggling, kicking around, um, not doing as, as well as I could have. And uh, I was just looking for something. And this was, you know, a career opportunity. This wasn't just a job that, you know, you're going to do for a couple of years. So I, you know, I was living home oldest of seven, as you know. So um, looking for a little money in the pocket, sound like a career, good retirement. And uh, I took a shot at it. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Now you started to talk about when you, you know, you went from a police officer to the chief of police. What would you say are some of the biggest differences from just an officer who might, you know, checks in the mm -hmm. job and does the job versus you're the chief? Right. So as a police officer, you're, you're just the individual. I, I think, you know, you, you get your assignment, you go out, you do your job, you know, you're going to answer your calls, um, whatever those calls might be. You're going to write a couple tickets. You're not really looking at the big picture. As you move through the ranks, your, your vision gets a little bit broader. You know, as a, as a sergeant, I was a supervisor on patrol, you know, you're a little bit broader and, and then it continues on as the, you know, the chief of police, I'm really not worried about too much that happens in Today, I'm looking at the, the big picture, the vision, where the department's going as a whole. Of course, I care if people are doing their job or how we're treating people, but I'm looking you know, a little bit about what's tomorrow, what's the next day going to look like. Sure. And so it's a broader picture, more policy, more uh, direction than, than the short term, you know, worried about a specific call or a specific couple calls. So, Paul, in, in the big picture, right, so many things are happening in today's society, school shootings. School violence is, is a constant, uh, unfortunately, a constant subject. Police relations with 
minorities mm -hmm. uh, in the big cities. There's been those things that have happened. How do you talk to your staff about that kind of stuff? And um, do you do you have sensitive sensitivity trainings? Do you have school shooting trainings? Is that something that because it's in the national news and in the forefront, it's on your lap now? And how is the the, the town of uh, Mount Hope Police Department going to respond to these national situations involving police? Sure. Well, with active shooter training, just uh, last week we did active shooter training. The entire department went through the training. We worked in conjunction with the state police and some people over and also the Medicine Valley School District. We have an elementary school within the town. So we were able to use the actual school. We did it on, a, on an evening shifts. So we were able to uh, do it uh, in real time. So uh, it's, it's important that we are, we are out there. Communication is the big thing, right? And I think that one of our struggles is, is, as a police department is we don't communicate well enough with the community. When I came aboard, um, you know, we talked, me and you were talking about quotes, and I was looking about, you know, we had to have a, a, a mission statement. The department really didn't have a mission statement. We looked at a mission statement. And we also looked for, like, a little saying, you know, and we came up with something, you know, public service with integrity. You know, we're here to serve the public, you know, and we're going to do it with integrity. And that was important to, to me, and it became important to everybody. So we – are blessed in Mount Hope. We don't have a large call volume. We have a pretty good, um, you know, uh, demographics. We, we are, you know, doing well with the volumes of, of activity. So we have to do the extra things. So we do house checks. We do the senior checks. We do the business checks. And it's important that we go out there and we serve the public. And we do it with integrity. And that's one of the things that we try to do. You know, the, the, the police of the community, the police uh, the community is the police, and it's important that we uh, we line up. I meet with members of the community. I try to walk around. Uh, we don't really have a downtown area, but we have a few spots, a couple stores, yeah. and we go in and talk to them and say, hey, what are you looking to see from us? What is it that we can do to make the community better? And how about we have a good how, relationship. how about the surrounding areas, Paul? I know, you know we're on the tri-states, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. Um, what kind of relationships do you build with the surrounding police departments? Yeah, it's important. Uh, I'm the uh, secretary of the Orange County Police Chiefs Association, so I'm uh, in pretty good contact with all the chiefs. But we work, uh, myself and uh, my sergeant, we came over to Port Jervis. We did some training in April on uh, sh uh, school shootings and, and mass casualty incidents. We came over. We work with Bill Warden over here. Mm. We have a con I constantly speak to Bill. He's been um, on the program. I, and I've heard it. I heard his <laughs> show. Pick Bill's brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Bob Hurtman, the town of Walkill, surrounds us, constantly talking to Bob. John Awanchu, city of Middletown, you know, I'm from there, was there when, when John got hired, so constantly talking to them. Um, you know, going back, there was the Tri-State Law Enforcement, which I haven't been a member in a long time, but we used to meet and speak with the, uh, you know, the departments, Milford and, and Montague, New Jersey, and stuff. It's important. Communication's cool. important. So Very cool. we do a good job with that. Paul, you know. You, one of your passions certainly is your work with the police, but another passion that has uh, been built around our friendship is, is your passion for officiating, uh, starting out in college basketball and well, high school you know, basketball, um, but certainly in college, you've, you've really advanced the past couple of years, mm -hmm. the, the women's division one lacrosse. And you know, tell me about, you know, your officiating life and, and that passion and, the past few years, you just you've exploded. So what happened is I, f I finished up with my master's degree in uh, 2006, and I said I got to do something. I can't. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got to do something. I officiate. You know, basketball seemed like a great thing to try to get into. My family was involved in it, so I said, Your oh, brother's my coach, brother's right? was coaching Your at the time. Coached, my father yeah. was was at Orange all those years. St. Mary's, Pine Bush, 
So I said, oh, I'll try officiating. So I signed up for the class. I took the class, uh, did it, uh, modified basketball for one season, and uh, went out to Mickey Crowley's camp. Know, out in Kutztown and had no idea what I was doing. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was literally, you know, refereeing modified basketball. And I went out there and uh, loved it. And and I had, you know, talk about people stepping up, some people out at the camp that really helped me try to learn the three-person system. I had no idea what a three-person system really even was. So went out there and, and camp. And then once I had the bug, I kind of kept on it. I kept at it. I enjoyed it. Um, one of the things, and this is good and bad about me, is I hate being told, no, you can't do this. You're not good enough. And I, you know, at some point, one of the people that I want to work with said, I, you know, you're, you're just, you're not going to be able to do it. And, and I said, the heck with that. Yeah. And I just put the pedal to the metal and yeah. I kept working, working, working at it. And so I got hired and one person, the next person, the next person, you know, until I'm working for for everybody, including the person that originally said, you know, I don't think you can do it. I remember that. And so, so to be able to, to keep at it, you know, and that's a good and a bad thing to, to never want to give up. Sometimes I think you have to recognize that, you know, you, you should take a step back, but I, I yeah. wouldn't. So I did that. And uh, so, and I enjoy basketball. I enjoy the game. I enjoy the sport. I, I enjoy being around people. Uh, so one day I'm at a basketball meeting at Valley Central High School. I'm walking through the hallway and Jim Osborne, who's the, uh, the uh, athletic coordinator for Orange County BOCES, was there. And, and, and I knew Jim for years. He was actually my ninth grade gym teacher. So Jim grabs me and says, hey, what are you doing? Come in this girls lacrosse class training. I said, I know nothing about it. He goes, nobody does. Just come on in. We need officials. And wow. if you don't like it, you don't have to come back. And I went. I said, ah, you know, there's a lot of similarities to basketball. So I went. And um, same thing, kind of got bitten by a little bit by the bug, did it a couple years. And really what turned around for me, there was a big tournament out at Stony Brook University. And big on Long Island. Oh, big on Long Island. And I went out there and I was amazed at the level of play. And I said, oh, my God, this is lacrosse. This is and I and I and again, I got bitten by the bug. And Wendy Crandall, Kevin Hannon, two people locally in Orange County. Wendy's uh, been doing college officiating for years. Picked her brain, talked to her, and just uh, kept kept at it. And uh, you know, kind of just moved through the ranks. Um, she helped me uh, get get picked up by an, a, a Division three assigner. Did Division three games. Same thing. Got kind of lucky with the opportunity. Got observed by somebody that that's you know does a lot of assigning. And move through the ranks. Um, yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at. You know, we're not going to give a specific number, but between the two sports this year, you were over 100 games. I was. Yeah. I was. I mean, uh, that, between, you had a lot. between uh, college games, you know, me and you talked about giving back some of that high school stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I did over 100 college uh, basketball and lacrosse games. Wow. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's, and I enjoy it. So, so that's a lot of nights. You have kids, right? Nights. How do you manage the time? Uh, you know, the, your fam- how do you manage all the logistics? And I then also, how, how do you take care of yourself? I don't know, Andrew. My wife. Yeah. I mean, I, I owe it all to her. My wife, Allison's a school teacher in Middletown. She's great with the kids. She runs them around all over the place. I guess we all have things we want in life. My wife loves vacationing in the summer. She's off for two months um, from teaching. Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard. We go for a, <laughs> we go for a month. Oh, I've heard. So, uh, so what happens is... Uh, I'm waiting for the invitation. So. <laughs> so what happens is she knows all that money is going to be uh, put towards the yeah. uh, 
to to the vacations. She likes to cruise. We do cruises. And you're not out, you're not out gambling. And I'm not out gambling. Yeah. I'm not out fooling around. I'm out there working, and she knows that. And I drag them along sometimes to 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 the different games. She came. She saw me the Army Navy game. She saw me. She saw me there. She was out. She went out uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, I had a basketball game out uh, in Pennsylvania. We went out. We went out for dinner. Brought the kids, and they have a good time. No. So it's a challenge, and it's a challenge with work as well. I mean, um, you know, trying to get from you know early morning to get through all the stuff I have to get through at work to get out the door to sure. get to the game. So you it's a got, challenge. You got to get to the games. How about physically, Paul? Like that's a lot of drain on your body. We're no spring chickens anymore. What do you do physically to maintain your stamina, to maintain your shape, your diet? You know, tell me about that. Right. So um, a couple different things. One, I was running, even besides for officiating. I had to give that up. I said, I can't do it anymore. My legs just can't do it. Yeah. You know, um, right now um, I'm, I'm in a little bit of withdrawal because the season just ended for me and I'm still watching some of my, my friends refereeing in the NCAA tournament. So I'm like, ah. You know, but my body's finally taking a break. Uh, I got into bicycling. In fact, I just bought a new bicycle. Okay. I just, just took it out for the first time the other day. All right. Uh, because I I still like that exercise. You um, need it. Uh, one of my, my supervisors, Anna Prasino at work, got me to cut out the junk food. So I stopped eating at McDonald's and Burger King on the way home and started trying to pack. Your brother likes it. Yeah. <laughs> trying to, trying to pack a little bit. Right. Pack lunches yeah. when I could or yeah. dinners when I could. I'm not a. I can't eat before a game, but I would pack, put a little cooler together, and and eat something on the ride home. Or if I did have to stop, try to pick some healthier choices. Okay. So that was one of the things that I've I've worked on. Um, mentally, got involved in in those books, you know, the audio books, and I think that was talking to you and some yeah. other people because you know going to the games, you know, sometimes just part of the trip, you need to take a break. You know? Sure. Um, so that, that's kind of what I've been doing. And I'm proud of you, man. You know, we, we took my family. We went to the Army-Navy women's game. That was a, a huge event. It was yeah. actually a beautiful day, yeah. too. It was, it was a, a great, great day. A great event. But uh, you and I have had a chance to work together, and uh, you're doing a great job. Paul, how about the similarities, right? I see some similarities as a principal and a college official and the things that I have to do. You mentioned about presence in my first question of the show about you know, all those different roles, leadership. But what are some specific similarities that you see as chief, and, you know, and or a police officer and a college official? Well, you have to enforce the rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, and, and you said it, you know, we hear constantly, you know, um, from from the assigners, from the coordinators, you know, enforce the rule. You know, one of the big things in, in lacrosse, they, they say, call the first foul, call the first foul. It's very similar to what we hear in basketball. Enforce the rules is written. It's not our job to to finagle. That being said, you got to have a flow to the game. So it's it's constantly a, a balance. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, um, the, the big differences for me is doing the different levels. And you know, being able to a little feedback. There we, there go. we go. You know, from going from a Division three game to, you know, a high-level Division one game and the differences in, in what you're going to allow. So you have to have some adjustments, you know. Uh, Syracuse University. I, right, which was an awesome experience. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that um, one of the fellow officials just uh, – he does basketball as well, John Trott. I know you, you know him. He's a New York City police lieutenant, you know, and, and – has helped me tremendously. And we've talked about, you know, the lane, it gets a little bigger, it gets a little bigger, a little bigger as the skill level gets up, you know? And so constantly working on those things. 
Um, but you, you, you know, at the end of the day, you, you want the flow as well. Um, well, we wish you, we wish you the best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was good. I saw you up looking in the crowd. You texted me at halftime. I saw a text from you. Good. No call. You in the first game and you're already telling me what's a good no call. Gave you the the classic advice, Mickey Crowley. Don't blank it up. Oh, listen. And you know, I think of, and and I've applied some of the things I've learned from, from Mickey into lacrosse. And one of the things is, you know, don't call anything you can't explain. And, um, you know, sometimes, you get in over your head and you're hoping your partner knows something. You're like, God, I hope I can get that right. You know, because every so often you get that crazy play that comes along. But what would Mickey say? Don't call it if you don't know how to explain it. It's going to be one of our quotes here at the end. Yeah. Speaking of Mickey, Mickey was the supervisor who hired me, who then put me in the games. I worked your father's games. You yeah. Know? And you lost your dad almost a year ago, right? Yeah. Uh, a little, a little year, more, year, yeah, about 14 months yeah, ago. 14 yeah. Months. Um, yeah. Tell me about your relationship with your father and uh, tell me what, you know, I think the, the relationship evolved. I think my father was uh, always very supportive, um, but he was somebody that was always out working. We had seven kids. He was a school teacher. He had summer jobs. You know, I talk a little bit about it when I was a little kid, you know, he used to drive a bus for extra money. And at the time, I don't think I recognized, you know, all the extra effort that he put into putting food on the table for the family and clothes on. But you know, I, I uh, and I've told this story before. I got to see, you know, Gerald Ford when he when he was running against Jimmy Carter because my dad drove a bus and, and they had an extra ticket. And I went along with him and, and we went into the Nassau Coliseum and got to, you know, got to, to see Gerald Ford, you know. Um, so my dad was a, was a hard worker. And I think that's one of the things that he impressed upon us. As he got older and once he retired, he had a little bit more time. So my dad would travel all over the place. He was always looking for things to do, you know. So some of my greatest memories is of him jumping in the car and, and going to watch games uh, that I worked yeah. or games that we would just go and watch. He was a big St. John's guy. He went to St. John's. I went to St. John's. We would go to St. John's games in the garden. He would go to the games in, in Alumni Hall, uh, you know, Carnesecca Arena. Loved doing those things. Um, and it didn't matter. And my mom was always great about those things. Um, I, you know, I remember one night myself and Dale Lynch, who's a friend of ours, we had a game out in Williamsport and on a Friday night, it was cold. It was nasty. My father said, I'm going to go. And he jumped in the car and we drove all the way out to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And he had no tie to the game, nothing, watched the game, got in the car. And, and I remember at at the end of the game, they gave us a, a pizza and some drinks as we were leaving, you know, and, yeah, the college did. Hospitality, and, my, and, and my father thought that was the greatest thing that we didn't even have to stop for food, <laughs> that we had a pizza in the car and we ate in the car and we drove back and we had, uh, you know, Gatorade and, and pizza. It. And he just loved it. And those are the things that he loved. And, you know, even supportive with the lacrosse, he would travel to, to lacrosse. He knew nothing about lacrosse, you know, yeah. just to be supportive, just to, but uh, so those are some of the great memories. He, um, you know, he loved to love to be around my, my son, which was his grandson. You know, he loved to play golf. Some of the, the going out and playing golf with myself and Matt, you know, those were great memories. So there's a lot of those trips, we crazy trips, you know, uh, and so Paul, it was a lot of fun. Your father had such a way about him, right? He, we talk about leadership, right? You talked about presence. When you went to work your father's games, it wasn't like, oh, this coach, he's going to. You just knew your father was going to coach the team. If he had anything to say, we used to say in the locker room, you know, if Coach Ricard says anything to you, mm-hmm. he's probably right because he don't say much. He just had such a nice way. Is that something that you try to do as, as a police officer or an official? Like, 
that 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 way about your father, right? It wasn't an imposing. I can't author, duplicate. You know? that. No, but is that something you think about? That. I do, I do. You know, I think one of the interesting things, and this is what I do, is you know, when when you get the coach that's screaming like a lunatic, that's totally lost control, and I'm like, God, I, I just wish I had someone like my dad. You know, and I would talk to my dad about it, and he would say, "Listen, I don't think you get anything by trying to embarrass an official. Yeah. You know, they're doing their best, and as long as they're professional." You know, they're trying their best and, uh, you know, and I think that's why Mickey Crowley would respect them and, oh, yeah. and all the people. Because if he called to say, hey, listen, there was a problem. This is before video. If th there was a problem, I think they took it seriously because he didn't complain about the little things. You mm -hmm. know, he didn't he didn't sweat the little things. I think there was bigger things for him to be concerned about. And he felt that if his team played well, you know, they had a chance at winning and, you know, the officials were going to be the officials. And no matter what he said to them or no matter what happened, it wasn't going to change the way they were going to call the game, you know, because he had trust that the assigners were going to put people out there that were professionals, you yeah. know. And that's not to say he didn't disagree with calls. He would disagree with calls. But he never felt that, uh, you know, verbalizing it the way that some of the other people do was, was going to change the outcome. Including the coach who succeeded him. Yeah, who's, who's, who's the opposite. And, and, you know, you talk about, you know, my brother Walt, who, who really had a crazy experience. You know, he's coaching up at Columbia Green, and I'm working those games up there uh, for Tom Reinish. And I would have to, you know, step into a locker room and just say, yeah, he's my brother. He's a lunatic. Because, you know, other officials would look at me like, uh, you know, the guy? first time you met them, they were a little suspicious of you because, you know, um, and, and they always thought, well, you know, we had to give him a technical, but he's a good guy, you know. And uh, so Tom was was worse than than than, uh, or what was worse than Tom? And then poor guys that had to work, they used to play each other uh, once a year. And the guys that were that game uh, really had double trouble, you know. That Your was that was intensity. Laugh. Oh, he would he he would laugh. He'd laugh uh, hysterically. So um, you and your brothers, you mentioned some of your brothers and your, your sisters. You, you've planned something for your father here, and we do a little advertising here on the program. So, um, what, what do you have coming up here? Something to celebrate? We're doing it. Yeah, they're doing a golf. We're doing a golf tournament. And I got to be honest with you; I'm not as involved. Tom's really running the show on this. He's Tom, done a great he's job. He's done a great job, and it's uh, uh, June 4th, West Hills Country Club. My dad was a member there. I'm a member there, so uh, we're doing it. It's the money goes towards uh, the college scholarships at Orange Community College. And uh, if anyone's interested, they can shoot me an email. Uh, yeah, how, how, if someone wants to make a donation, any of uh, Coach Ricard's former players, I know they've reached out to anybody. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking to make a donation, what would be the best way that they can do that? Yeah, probably reach out for, for myself or Tom. Uh, you can just email me, chief at mounthopepolice.com. It's all spelled out, C-H-I-E-F at mounthope, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E, police.com. Uh, so okay. you can shoot me an email. Um and that money, I know, is going to scholarships College for scholarships. Orange, right. and, uh, yeah, From math students, I, actually, which it's it really wasn't, um, you know, because my, my dad, as much as he was into the athletics, he was also the chairman of the math department. Mm -hmm. And that was always in, in big importance to him. Cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, Coach Ricard, you're watching up in heaven, and uh, uh, we miss you, and he was certainly a, yeah. a class It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great. Paul, we're we're up against the portion of the show. I know you've done some prep quick. work. Yeah, I you know. know. You got me uh, nervous. Yeah, some this. prep work. Yeah. yeah, rapid fire. Some guests have stumbled. Others have made it through. I know you've been okay. training, right? Yeah. At least since last <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here we go with the rapid uh, fire portion of the show. Uh, Paul, you know how it works, so let's get started. 
Last book you read. Uh, Higher Loyalty by James Comey. Higher Loyalty yeah. by James Comey? Yeah, that's the FBI book. I, I uh, The director there that got fired by the president. Okay. Last movie you saw? The Post, and I watched it just for this show so I could tell you I watched a modern or you know, movie that just came out. And I can't, it's got such bad reviews. Tom Hanks, I love Tom Hanks. I know, my wife fell asleep. (laughs) She did your homework, I appreciate (laughs) it. Greatest challenge of police work? You know, to communicate to all the different communities, um, because you gotta communicate differently to all of them, but have the same kind of message. And I think that's a challenge for us. That's a great answer. Yeah, I faced that in my job too. Best thing you've witnessed as a police officer? Every so often you have successes. Um, I, I think one of the greatest things is I was able to hire people that now that I knew their their moms, their dads, or people had struggles in their life and were able to hire them. Um, I don't have one of those great deliver to baby stories, so it's not uh, nothing along those lines. Well, I, I, I don't know what you're going to say, but I know you've had some hard times as a cop too, some things you've been through. So the worst thing uh, you've experienced or witnessed? You know, there's been a few. Uh, I mean, there's been a couple really horrible uh, homicides that that I've been involved with. Uh, a police shooting where where a police officer was shot. Some really courageous things done by some people. So, I would say probably the death and the and the mayhem um, would probably be the worst. Things. Yeah. And uh, you recently hired a child of someone that you were involved when they, yeah, they sure. passed away. Yeah, sure. Yep, we hired yeah. Matt, Matt Riley, great kid yeah. from from Deer Park, and I was there when his when his dad passed away. His dad died in an industrial accident 20, 20 years ago, which yeah. it seems like yesterday. And that that was that was a very difficult uh, case, yeah. and, and it actually has a profound impact on my my entire life. I cannot drive past an open ditch without looking in it to see if there's protective um, equipment in there. And that was one of the tragedies of that case is that mm-hmm. it was uh, and people actually were indicted and there was a lot of issues with that. But I still look at that to this day. It's amazing the things you think about. You've mentioned a lot of uh, singular incidents that have impacted your life. That's yeah. obviously negative and certainly for Matthew. But uh, yeah, you know, hardest play to call on the cross. Cradling in the sphere. It's hard to get in a great position to see it, and it's very close to being a, a legal play. No cradling in the sphere, That's whatever it. that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what 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 does your best employee say about you? I'm a hard worker, like your dad. Your yeah. your I don't want to say your worst. The person maybe in your mind that doesn't do the best job. What do they say about you? I don't understand. The thing that you do that drives your wife crazy. I don't keep my calendar updated. Oh. She hates that. As an official, yeah? I, I, I keep it updated for myself, uh, but what we do is we have a running calendar on a refrigerator. Uh-huh. And what will happen is a game, you know how a location uh-huh. changes or, or you know, something gets added or something gets deleted and she'll be expecting me to be going somewhere and I'm not going. Or, it's not on the calendar. And that's what she'll say. Why is it not on the calendar? Uh-huh. Drives her nuts. I'm working on it, Mrs. Ricardo. <laughs> Uh, favorite memory of your dad? You mentioned some of them when we were talking. Yeah, I, I think there's, I don't know if there's one singular memory. I think there's just a whole bunch of them. Um, you know, I still, I, you know, it's funny. I still talk about it. Um, you know, the first baseball game, my dad was a big basketball, but he loved baseball. People don't know is he really liked baseball as much. And I remember it was probably around 1977, 78. I still specifically remember him taking me the first Mets game, Mets pirates, me and him, we walked up and he bought uh, box seats. We sat about 
six rows. Lenny Randall signed me a uh, 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 correction. Felix Mion signed me an autograph. He remembers. Uh, John Milner hit a ball that hit the top of the fence and then bounced back onto the playing field. I, I still remember this, and I remember my dad bringing me there. And I and I think about those that that is probably one of the memories that stick out. But there's a lot of memories like that. Fantastic. Uh, biggest pet peeve as a police officer. People not taking uh, personal accountability, both employees and people in the public. I like that. Personal, I like that. Um, biggest pet peeve as a college official. Uh, you know what drives me crazy is is the player that talks back to you when it's clearly, obviously, a foul or a walk <laughs> or a sh whatever the case may be. I, you know, I had a case even yesterday where, where it was a high school lacrosse game. Someone it was it was just so clearly a foul, and the fact that that the the player just was like snapped, and I'm like, I just that drives me nuts. <laughs> uh, your favorite tip in in my book, the principal. I know you read. Force people to make an appointment. I think that's you know no, we're not in an emergency room, and one of the the things that I've tried to impress upon my uh, my secretary is just because someone shows up and wants to meet with me doesn't mean that I have to meet with them today. Yeah, you know I'm not talking about my boss. Obviously, I make time when my boss calls to, sure. to immediately see them or get there as quick as I can. That's in the book too. <laughs> that's in the book. You got to do that. But but uh, you know I always joke around. I said you know if you walk in your doctor's office and ask to see the doctor, you don't get to see him within ten minutes. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things we we sometimes uh, we drop what we're doing. And sometimes pretty important stuff to see people that it doesn't have to be. So I think that's a tip from your book that was uh, means something to me. I like it. What's next for Paul Ricard? You know, I don't know. I'm just gonna keep on plugging along with the uh, with the officiating, enjoying that, and uh, see where it goes. Um, you know, I'm enjoying the the police work, and I'm enjoying being the police chief in the town of Mount Hope. I'm enjoying the the lacrosse. I'm having a good time with it and uh, in, enjoy the basketball too. So I like, uh, you know, you, you don't know what's next for you, but those two things about you're walking by the college, the cross class, come on in and you're walking on the campus and uh, Hey, sign up, you know, police change your life. And it could change my life. It's, it's I absolutely it. true. And uh, you know, you think, and I think about that. I think about, you know, the, being in the right place at the right time can really, you know, people I think don't give that enough credit yeah. for what the power, it the power of a single experience absolutely yeah. it's important it's I important it. i love it well you did good on the show you All passed right. the test Thank rapid you. fire uh we kind of built this quote together uh we're going to end the program uh, uh here with paul uh ricard but uh paul you want to go ahead uh, the quote you know uh, you can't miss uh uh quote silence and uh donnie epley but i don't know if donnie got the, gets the original uh making that up i'm sure a lot, a lot of, of people, officials yeah. a lot of people have but that's something that you know you know donnie worked with him and i worked for donnie worked my first game with him. and donnie will say that all the time you can't misquote silence and it's a it's it's great and i was telling you a story where i got sucked in by someone where i wish i was silent you know yeah. because they they will they will suck you in and the, yeah you can't misquote silence and the, and the other one is if you don't know what to say don't say anything that's absolutely right? true yeah, and that's sometimes we just got to listen and uh those so those are two good quotes certainly for officials and uh, and absolutely. people of all leaders my book recommendation this was my father's day gift there he is uh bruce springsteen born to run what a great book if you're a, a fan of bruce's and uh, uh it's great. It's really great. Yeah, that's you know, nice. so it's a you know, it's a bigger book, but uh, trying to find time to read. Uh, I'm where am I so far? Right, right here in the beginning. <laughs> My mother, page thirty three. <laughs> yeah.
Well, so, if I can throw out there too, yeah. uh, Presence by Amy Cuddy, which was an, a, an excellent book. And if you're an official, um, that's where I got it from. Yeah. Uh, uh, at Donnie Epley had a clinic, he had a speaker and, and they talked about uh, the importance of presence and uh, the book Amy Cuddy was really helpful. Listen to it. And I've listened to it many times on the audio books. Going two games. Paul Ricard up. making recommendations. That's here. it, man. Gotta make them. <laughs> Paul, uh, thanks yeah. so much. Thanks for having uh, me. Andrew. This was really show number 49 it. here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Paul's a great guy. Again, uh, if you're looking to make a donation, you're locally here in Orange County or, or the Milford area's dad. The golf outing's coming up. Uh, again, a shout out to our sponsor, Michelle DiFilippo at uh, Design or 1106 Design. Even if you're thinking about a book, Paul, I know it's in your sights one day. Um, you know, <laughs> contact Michelle DiFilippo, 1106 Design. Thanks, everyone. Have a great afternoon. Uh, go out and change the world for the better. We're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. We're going to queue up the music. And uh, thanks, uh, everyone, for tuning in live on Facebook and uh, on iTunes. Uh, we will see you soon. Yeah. All right, everyone.